um, that you that you would do that. You'd speak to us this morning and give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're trying to show us, and that we would take uh, take it to heart. That it would change us. Um, that you pour out your spirit on this place and um, meet us where we're at, and um, God, that we would just have open hands, not be gripping on to anything too tight or anything like that, but just uh, allow you to move and minister and sort and, and take away anything that's holding us back and to give us things that will, uh, you want us to do, you want, you want us to go things and places and, and, uh, desires and that we would just be in, in tune with you, God. And we just thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So second Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verse one, chapter seven, verse one, it says, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and, and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So therefore, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Uh, so we'll back it up. He's saying, therefore, with all these things in mind, having these promises, that's the end of chapter six. Okay, so the end of chapter six, Paul, there's there's this encouragement. It's actually um, from already like a quote from scripture. And so verse 17 says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord all, says the Lord Almighty. Paul's saying, with all of these things in mind, the promise that he's going to make us his sons and, and, and daughters, and, and he's going to do these things in us. With that in mind, let us get rid of the stuff that we don't need. Or a little further back, he talks about being unequally yoked. Let's get rid of all the stuff that is holding us back and to be separate, to be sanctified to the Lord, not touch what is unclean. And he says, and I'll receive you. These are good promises to leave that stuff behind and to move forward. And so the beginning of chapter seven is with that in mind, having these promises, beloved, again, I love you. That's why I'm telling you this. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Let us cleanse ourselves. So one of the best things you see, Paul never takes himself out of the equation. Whenever you you find someone that it's just, they talk only about you. You need to do this. You need to do that. It's, you kind of get the image of, there's two different rule systems here. Uh, and for those who are believers in Christ, like we've got to recognize we are all so close to blowing it ourselves. We all need to be sustained by him. We all need to, to continue to be, to grow in him and to, to trust him and, and cleanse ourselves in this way. It's not just you do it. It's us. Let us cleanse ourselves. Well, what's interesting about that is you go cleanse ourselves. I thought he makes us clean. Which he does is justification, right? Where, where we're justified by him. There's no way we could have been found righteous in and of ourselves. Because we can't come up with righteousness. It's impossible. We're, we're, we're marred by sin. But yet, in the sanctification process, which is what he's talking about, being set apart, becoming more like him, we are involved in that, aren't we? 
There is, there's definitely a part of that where we have involvement. If nothing else, we can stop it from happening, right? Like <laughs> we're at least that involved where we can stop God from doing a good thing, right? You're like, there, it's not like you're ever out of control where you're like, I just can't, I can't not help from doing really, really good things. I just, I wish I could be bad and I can't. It's impossible. If anybody had that, then you, you're in a good situation, okay? And don't complain. That's awesome. That's not how it goes. It's, that's not the current. The current is going the other way, right? And so there's, there is an ownership we take in this in saying we're called out to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh, yes, but also the spirit. And what's the spirit? What did Jesus have issues with? Sure, he had problems with sin. Definitely had problems with sin. You'd see it. He, he, would, he would call it out, call it what it was. But he had major problems with arrogance, with pride, with people who thought they had it all together. Their sins were on the inside. It was a lot more obvious for those on the outside. But he had more of an issue with those sins of the Spirit, the filthiness of the Spirit. And if we aren't changed in here... All the actions we do are, are only going to last so long and they're not going to be genuine. It's going to be a, a forced thing. What, what happens is when you're clean on the inside, it, it changes everything. And, and you're not trying to, to, well, I think a Christian would do something like this. You are one. <laughs> and the Lord's speaking to you and, and now you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. But we're called to cleanse ourselves, to not let these other things come in and rob the life we've been called into. Does that make sense? It's, it's like if you're on a diet, you don't want it, to... It, it's the candy aisle is calling, right? But as soon as you dip into that, there will be effects, right? There will be effects. And if it's just a you know, little bit, you're like, well, it just feels not so good. But eventually it will all affect you. So let us cleanse ourselves. Let us, uh, and, and then he says, um, from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect, but it's becoming what we're supposed to become, becoming whole in him. You know, there's, there's like an ideal for your life in the eyes of God. Like he has a plan. He has steps that he's laid out before us. I, I believe he's sovereign, but at the same time, we have a part in this. And we can mess it up. But if we can stay in line with him, it's just sovereign meaning like God is, he's powerful and, and he's able to work all these things and all of our mistakes into a good things. Not sovereign in the sense of like, I don't believe that we're, we have no say in the matter at all. Because we see right here, we are part of the equation. So we're called into this to work together as we cleanse, are being cleansed in him. We work together like it's our desires line up with his desires. He gives us the ability to do it and then to move on um, from, from that point. And Paul sees it himself like that he needs to be made whole in the fear of God. He didn't say, I used to do this when I first became a Christian. So now you guys should do it. I'm, a, I'm above that now. A cool quote on this from Spurgeon. I suppose that the nearer we get to heaven, the more conscious we shall become of our imperfections. The more light we get, the more we discover our own darkness. 
That which is scarcely accounted sin by men will become grievous defilement to a tender conscience. Uh, it, it is not that we are greater sinners as we grow older, but that we have a finer sensibility of sin and see that to be sin, which we winked at in the days of our ignorance. As you draw closer to him, you get closer to the light and you can start to see, oh, that wasn't as clean as I thought it was. Right. You bring a light into a situation and it changes things. Right. A room in the dark. Well, it looks pretty good in here. And you bring a light in and. Everything scurries and you're like, "Uh oh, not as good as I thought. Verse two, open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. Paul's saying, look at our track record uh, and lay down your swords, please. We haven't, we have not like, we've been nothing but good to you guys. We've been honest. We've been real with you. So please listen to us. Like, trust us. Give us the benefit of the doubt. Lay down your swords. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Our hearts are that we would be able to restore and live in unity and fellowship with one another. We love you. Like, your joy to us, even though you're such a pain. And in verse 4, he's going to say, man, he's going to tell him how he loves him. It's, this is such a cool little redeeming section for the church of Corinth. And it kind of, for me, it encourages me to think like, you just can't give up on people. You, you got to keep loving them. You have to see, anyway, because God is working in the midst of all of it. Verse 4, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. He's like, I've been really, really honest with you. I've had great boldness of speech towards you. Yes, we've seen that, Paul. And remember, there's like that sorrowful letter that he wrote that we don't have. That's like extra gnarly. Yeah, he was very bold, very honest with them. But he felt like he could be because he knew them. And he's like their father. And he's like, I just got to tell you guys, all this stuff that you're drinking is poison. You've got to get away from it. It, it will ruin you. But he says, not only have I been bold in that way, but I also boast on your behalf. There's things in you that I'm boasting about how awesome you are. And I really, like, I get the picture when I see this. I think about kids, right? Like, you, you, you think all these things, like, I'm working through all this with you, and I know, and I have three kids, and I know they all three are uniquely difficult, Right? And yet they all three bring me great joy. And there's, I, I like love them so much. And, and I will brag about them. And I will boast about them. And yet I know they're very difficult at times. Especially after family camp. When we're all really tired. One of them's an instigator. The other one is the one who takes the bait. You know? And this is... There's three, and so they all kind of take turns doing all of those things. But it, 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 it's kind of like with that same mindset because he called, Paul calls him like, you guys are like my kids. I love you guys. And I, so I boast about you. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. He's saying he's super joyful because of what some of the things that God has done in their life. We're going to get into that a little bit, like how he's seen that in them. 
G. Campbell Morgan says, No circumstances of personal affliction can dim the gladness of seeing souls grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus. So meaning, whatever position you're in in life, seeing someone grow in the Lord will always bring you joy. I was thinking about that quote, and I was thinking, what else is there that's like that? Right? Where you, you still get joy. That, that is an eternal value. Right? Because you see something of eternal worth, and your heart gets it. You see someone growing in the Lord, and you're like, even though I'm like dying, I am so stoked to see you grow in the Lord. This is why people who are dying are able to speak truth, to, to tell people about Jesus, and to see them get saved, and to have joy in the midst of, of their last days. Because it has lasting and eternal value. And, and when it's all said and done, that's all that matters. I don't think you get as excited when you're like, oh, my son became rich, and I'm dying, but he became rich. I'm so stoked about that. Like, it, it, you might be like, well, that's cool, that's good, like, you're successful, you're doing well in that way. But this is not, this is not enough. And, and if anything, you might say, can I tell you something, son? Riches don't mean anything where you are where I am. None of this matters anymore. This, this, my eyes are wide open. I can see it for what it is. And Paul, being in the midst of tribulations, can see it for what it is. We're going to kind of get into his tribulations. But the, the idea is, man, we should be pouring into eternity. And that really what that is, is pouring into things that the world and the circumstances of the world can't take away from us. Because if you're fearful the world is going to take things away from you, easy, invest in the things the world can't. Right? Oh, but what about this? What about that? What about this? Well, if we were only living for that, we would be very sorrowful. But we don't. We live for something of eternal value. And we can find joy in the midst of all of this. And we can watch God move in the midst of all of this. Even more so sometimes. Very, okay, there you go. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. There's the first thing when you're tired, okay? Get rest. That's important if you can. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Do you hear what's going on with Paul? Does this sound familiar? Outside were conflicts. Dealing with constant conflicts. Inside were fears. I'm struggling on the inside too. And I'm not sleeping. Making it worse. He's like saying, we were going through it big time in Macedonia. Is this where you're at right now? Take heart. There's some there's good news coming here. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming. Titus is Paul's boy, right? He loves Titus. He's coming to him. Not just the coming of Titus. Not only in his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When you told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. What was the thing that, that gave Paul comfort in the midst of really hard times? Was hearing that Titus was encouraged by being with the Corinthians. He's like, my stubborn child... You're doing good. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's getting through, you know? You're like, okay, we're going to do a timeout for five minutes. 
And the first two is screaming, right? You know? And then the next two is like, this isn't working. I'm that doesn't matter, you know? And then the last one is settle down. You come in. Okay, okay, great, good. It's discipline, right? Paul's been working with them in a way of discipline where he's, he's like, I, got, I just got to get you to understand, to slow down, look around, understand what's going on in your life. And now he's seen that they're doing good and they're encouraging Titus, which is really encouraging Paul. And here we get a really good glimpse of how much what we do affects those around us, right? The fact that the Corinthian church was, was doing well led to Titus being pumped, led to a man who was, I mean, who's been like the Apostle Paul in history, being comforted in the midst of extreme tribulation. Not just being comforted, he says, I'm super joyful. Like, I'm exceedingly joyful in this season because of the things I'm hearing about you guys. And what were the things that he was hearing? That they had an earnest desire, uh, um, and that they were, they were mourning, like they were mourning their sin, and that there was zeal for him. They, they were like, they had changed. He said, that made me rejoice even more, like hearing what was going on, what was taking place in your lives. This is affecting us, because I saw you guys turn. There's nothing like seeing your friend or, or a child or some turn back to Jesus. Nothing like it, Right? Like just, just to see the, the chains fall off, the pride drop down. And with the pride goes all the junk, all the weight, all the stuff that you thought you had to hold up. It's all gone and you're, and you're fresh and you're new. And, and there's this beautiful, there's this mourning and there's this, this desire for the Lord. And, and then what, what comes with it is a zeal, like a fire for him. He's saying not only is this church not being staying where they were at, but they're being purified. They see it for what it is, and they're growing. For even if I had made you sorry, verse 8, sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. This is that sorrowful letter. He's like, I sent this to you, and I, um, I didn't even really want to send it, but I knew I had to send it because it was rough. We have no, we don't know what this letter says. Probably good we don't. I think he, he was pretty honest already in 1 Corinthians. And this is like the gnarly one, right? So he brings that into, in there and he says, perceive that this, it, it made you sorry, but only for a little while. Verse 9, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. So, What's he saying here? Now I'm rejoicing because not just because you were made sorry. We all can be sorry about things. That's not the thing. I was like, I'm sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Right? Honestly, that's what a lot of it is. And you could, you could say, yeah, that's how kids are. No, that's how you are. That's how I am. I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that it went that way. I wish it was different, you know, in the, in the sense of that I didn't get caught. Because nothing would have probably changed if it was just, if I didn't get caught, you know? But he's saying, not just sorry, I I, I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. What's repentance again? Change of direction, but really a change of mind. 
Because your sorrow, because you were so you were sorry, you really understood the depth of where you were at. It led you to change your mind towards the direction you were going. And now you've made a turn. And boy, do we ever all have to get here. Right? At some point. I mean, that's what was the message? Repent and believe. Like, see it for what it is. Let that change your mind. Turn you around. Go the other way. And if there's anything stopping you from going the other way, then you really got to do it. That's, then that thing is an idol. That thing is a god. That thing is holding you back. Run. So, not this, that you were sorry, but the sorrow led to repentance. For you are made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. It means, sorrow means we're affected. And that's great. That's the first step. But what does that affected mean long term? What does it really do to you? Oh man, I'm bummed out. Well, oh well, go back, you know. Guess I'll, I'll try not to get caught next time, you know. This, that's usually the part where you're like, God, if, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll go to church every Sunday, you know. And then after, after it happens, you're like, well, I know you weren't really thinking I'd do it every Sunday because that's, who could do that, Right. I mean, the 49ers are playing early this morning, you know. So um, I'm going to go on, on a Christmas and Easter. Is that good? You know, like, but that's kind of like that mentality. But the other side is like, man, it leads you to repentance where you're like, I need, I am, what I am producing is death. What I, where, where I am going, there is, it's not just death in the sense of like, you're going to die. But it's death in the sense there's no life in it. That's death, right? There's like, it's like there's no life in it. There's nothing there. And so a lot of times I think we're like, well, I'm not going for things that are going to kill me. Well, you're seeking things that have no life in them. And you're expecting them to give you life. I am too, right? That's all of us. So we got to be careful and we got to let that change our mind as to what is important in life, what really matters in life, and, and to turn and to not become too uh, um, prideful to miss the point. Verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world, that in and of itself, the sorrow it has no answers, Right? You, you recognize that you've been weighed and found wanting, but there's no answers. That, leads, that is such a sad situation. And it leads to death. But godly sorrow produces repentance, and that leads us to salvation. So repentance is a very important thing. And we talked last week a little bit about, I don't hear God's voice. I don't know if I hear God's voice. If God is calling you to repent or to turn from something, you hear his voice. Respond to it. And then wait for thir- further instructions. He's calling you. He's reaching out to you. Like listen to him. Respond in that way. That's repentance. Repentance is following through on a change of mind. Because if your mind is changed, your body will follow. In mountain biking they say, wherever your eyes go, so will you. Right? Right? So when you come into a turn, you're looking out of the turn before you get there, looking at entrance and exit points, right? Because that's important. Not looking at the huge hole, because then you will go in it. 
looking at exactly where you want to go. Your eyes are going to lead your body. Our mind will lead our body. If the mind is is polluted and corrupted, where are we going to go? Verse 11, for observe this very thing, uh, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, uh, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in, in all things, uh, in all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He, he's basically saying like, we observed, this has been observed that the, how you've sorrowed in a godly manner has produced in you a little bit of spunk towards sin. Like you don't, you're like, no, stay away. You're not like just keeping it there and holding hands with it just in case, you know, my backup plan. It's like, no, I am, don't ever want to go back there again. I'm never doing that again. This is not something I ever want to be a part of again. Like going into, kids are scared of dark places, you know, take them into Pirates of the Caribbean. And they're like, I'm never doing that ride again. You know, there's things yelling at me and there's a drop in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know. Or I took Violet on Splash Mountain. It's all fun and games. And they're all yelling and singing and everything. And all of a sudden, you, you go down a drop. She's wet. She's bombed. And then I'm like, that's not the big one, I'm thinking, you know. And then they're all, all these, like, woodland creatures are sitting there going, like, uh-oh, <laughs> you're in big trouble. <laughs> you're about to drop. And she's like, what are they talking about, Dad? <laughs> well, here's the thing. We're in it now. And so hold on tight. We're going to get soaked, you know, and, and we come screaming down and it is just soak zone. Right. Of course. And I said, I don't think you'll really get wet. But then as you're walking up, you're seeing everyone has ponchos on. This is uh, maybe we might get wet. She's like, Dad, why are they all wearing wearing the plastic bags on them? Well, that's because they're over worried about it, I guess. Well, guess what? She ain't going back on that ride. She has been burned by it. And every time, she didn't even want to walk near the ride. I'm not even going over there. Like, I want nothing to do with that place. It burned me. I thought it wasn't going to get me wet. Matter of fact, Dad, I don't know if I trust you anymore either. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh, okay? You said it's chill. Is it? Is there some wild drop in the middle of it? But that is that kind of a mindset where you go, no, I am not going back there. I know what's there. And this is not where I want to be. This is an important thing, I think, for for us to have in a mindset towards towards sin, honestly. It's it's like making a stand, making a choice to say, this is not going to work for me. Like, I can't have anything to do with this. Like, I will... I, this is, especially if it's a sin that you are prone to, especially if it's a place where you know that there's, you've got to set yourself up some guardrails. You've got to make sure that you kind of like have a hatred towards that thing. You don't want that around you at all. My, my dad was an alcoholic, drug addict, got, he got clean, praise God, like a long time ago, 32 years ago. No, 30 one years ago? Wait, how old was I? Oh, six, anyway. And um, for me, 
even going, going through high school, everyone's drinking, everyone's doing everything. I hated alcohol. I had this righteous indignation towards it. I wanted nothing to do with it because I knew what it meant to my family. And I knew what it could do to me. That's not something that's, that everyone has the same conviction on, right? But for me, I knew I'm prone to addictive kind of personality things. And I know that that's kind of like been an issue in my family before. And so for me, it's like one of those things where you go, I want nothing to do with that. Like I'm not doing, I'm not. And so, boy, I needed all of that though going through high school. And for me, it was a good thing. It it was something that like, I think the Lord had put in there. I had to temper it because I took it a little bit to another level, right? You go, okay, slow down. Okay. Not all of it's bad, but for me, for not everyone, it's, it's, that the the drink itself is sin for me it was because of where i'd been where i'd come from because of what it meant to my family and so i was like i'm going to stay away from this 100% like it, and i'm going to have a little bit of spunk in it too cuz that's just the way i am it's like not just like a little bit it's like no you don't get to talk to me you know you don't get to influence me that's not where i'm going to be at now, there's other things that were also sin, like issues that I wasn't as wary about. And they've affected me big time. Because there was no guardrails made there. So where there's guardrails, you go, this is smart. This whole like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. No, I'm not going to that city. No, I'm not going to that part of town. No, I'm not going to that place at night. It's important, and I think that's what Paul saw in these people. They had a, a, an indignation. They knew what, and there was fear. They knew what, what sin could do to them. There was a, oh, their eyes had been opened to like, oh, this isn't all fun and games. So, so Satan's trying to destroy me? No, 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 no. If you knew somebody was at some point trying to feed you poison, would you be a little more discerning in what you popped in your mouth at a party? Right? If you're hanging out at a party and they're like, oh, by the way, something in here is poison. Okay? Have a good time at the party. And you're like, what? Does it look like poison? No. Actually looks really good. Have fun. Okay. I'm not going to eat here. I'll tell you that. Someone's trying to poison me. You know, I'm guessing it's not the broccoli. Anyway, do you get what I'm saying? Anyway. But it's, it's just understanding like who we are and where you, where you, where you fall and where you, you're vulnerable and saying, I can't let this be a thing. I can't allow the enemy a foothold in my life. And it's not legalistic. This is not a legalistic trip because it's for you. You know what yours is. I know what mine is. You know what yours is. And you, and the Lord's probably speaking to you right now. And you're probably like, that's not that big. That one's not that big of a deal. Well, you would think it was if it was full on poison, which it is anyway. I think we get a lot of this kind of glimpse from James chapter one. When, when uh, James is talking about the word of God, showing us who we are, revealing to us who we are. Verse 23, for anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, though, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets the kind of man he was. 
but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. What, what we get to see and we get a glimpse of is yourself in the mirror and you say, oh, whoa, there's a problem there. What is that? I, that needs to be dealt with. Like, I, we need to take drastic measures. Something needs to be done. Verse 12. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Um, he's, he, uh, this letter was actually dealing with an individual and seemingly some major conflict. But Paul's saying it's not just about them. It's not just about that person. It's, it's, it's for all of you. I mean, we're just trying to save you from yourselves. Uh, verse 13, therefore we have been comforted in your comfort and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Paul's like, I'm so proud of you guys that you have encouraged Titus. I thought sending him to you, he was going to come back with gray hair and he was going to be like, I'm never going to Corinth again. I had no idea what was going to happen over there. And he came back and he was so stoked. And because of you guys being faithful, I'm comforted. I was comforted. There's another thing to note here. God uses us to comfort another, one another. We've already seen that in this, in this book. He gives us comfort to comfort one another. But we have that. So, by the way, if you're going through the struggles of, you see him, Paul, like, we're, he's going through it big time. He's got, like, you know, on the outside, he's dealing with conflict. On the inside, he's dealing with fears, and he's tired. Look around you. The comforter might be close. <laughs> that tells us a couple things. First of all, you know, you guys, God, I need your comfort. I need your help. Well... He uses us. So be open to that. Like that somebody might have something to say to you that could be comforting to you. So basically let them in on what's going on. They might be able to have something they could say to you that could be of comfort to you. The other side is you might be used to comfort someone. So you need to be able to listen and actually know people and have that experience. That's one of the coolest things about family camp. I said we were getting to hang out and you're like, I feel like I know that these people better. Like we know each other a little bit. And you know like some of the things people are going through and, and have gone through. And it kind of like, oh, wow, okay. Connect the dots. Oh. But to be able to... Be a comfort and be comforted by one another. That is a blessing. And wow, so cool for Paul to be like, my kids are doing good. Corinth, man, you guys showed up. You did something. I'm stoked for you guys. It made my day. He says, verse 14, for if anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. Like, man, we, we talked about you, and, and even before this happened, I loved you guys. I saw through all the junk, and I still loved you. didn't mean I didn't see it. I wanted you to know I saw it, and I want you to know that you could get rid of it. But most importantly, I still love you no matter what. And I'm proud of you guys. 
Even though you've made all these mistakes, I'm still so proud of you. I still love you. And, and I know you're more than your failures. What's cool is this is kind of like, you can kind of see a little bit of like the mind of God towards us. He sees everything in you, right? Like he knows. He knows all the sin. He sees every little thing. You know that quote where it's like, the closer we get to him, the more we realize how sinful we really were. It's like, oh, he could see it all. And yet he loves you and he uses you and he has plans and wants to work things out in you. But the biggest mistake we can make is say, yeah, that's for someone. No, it's for you. Me. It's for me. Say, I'm, it's for me. <laughs> Think about it for yourself. It's for me. But God loves us so much that in spite of all of that, he's still so proud of us. He's like, those are my kids. Paul, I see all your junk. And I love you guys. And I'm proud of you. And I've actually been boasting about you. But thank goodness you didn't blow it. Titus came home and he actually agreed. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How the fear and trembling you re- how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I have rejoicing of confidence in you and everything. He's like, well, how cool is this, you guys? That, that when you showed up, not only was I a fan, now Titus is a fan. He loves you guys too. He was so stoked to have spent that time with you. He's got a, a, an affection for you. He's going to want to go back. He like loves you guys. And he, and, and cause he saw what was going on and you know, Titus had the rundown on what that church was about. He was probably shocked to see the uh, amazing work that God had done. And, and he was, he was stoked and they received him with fear and trembling. That's not arrogance. That's the opposite of arrogance. They listened to what he had to say. Remember he delivered a painful letter, but they received it well with fear and trembling. Therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you and everything. Paul's saying like, man, I believe in you guys. I believe in what God is doing in you. I believe that he's not done. I believe that he can use you in such an amazing and powerful and mighty way. And don't we need to see this message from the most wicked church out of all the epistles? (laughs) That God was moving in their midst. All it took was them being willing to say, all right, if we're wrong, we're wrong. All right, Lord, if, if that's not the way I want to go, then I want to change. We know it wasn't full bore because Paul still got issues with him, right? But they'd, they'd seen it and he was rejoicing because what had been produced in that refining was good fruit. And the good fruit was to be shared with all. Linda brought some, those tomatoes? Yeah, tomatoes. I, I think, if I've ever seen a tomato before, I think so, yes. I'm just kidding. I'm not a tomato fan, so I had to ask, you know. But there's always like little offshoots of, anyway, whatever. But you brought, she brought some, tomatoes are fruit, huh? Yes. She brought some good fruit. Good if you like tomatoes. Uh, and and I, I saw people like seeing them going, oh, yeah, and they're stoked. The, the produce of her labor of love in the garden was good fruit. And what's the result? She benefits, definitely. So does everyone else, right? Everybody else benefits. 
from the good fruit that's produced in that season. And really it's super simple because we don't have to worry about like how to get everyone in this room to get have, to do this. You just have to worry about yourself. I just have to worry about myself. And ultimately that's the good man. All right, Lord, what is it in me? What are the things that you're telling me again? Get rid of it or walk away from it or walk into this or whatever. Where am I holding on to pride without even realizing it's pride? With thinking it's part of my personality. With thinking it's part of my identity. Those are big lies, right? Well, that's just who I am. Um, No, it's not. (laughs) It's who you've been. Doesn't mean it's who you are. Being able to walk into that newness of life. I mean, it's almost like when you read this, you're like, was this a typo? Was this supposed to be written about a different church? Like that they were doing really good? No, it's because God was doing a work in them. And the ministry that Paul put into them, even though it was painful, even though it was hard, there was good fruit coming from it. None of us are too far gone. None of us are, are, are too far out there. God wants to move in all of us. So, Simple, let's allow it. All right, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, mold me, shape me, reveal to me where I'm prideful, reveal to me where I'm arrogant, reveal to me where I've missed the mark, where I've expected things out of people that I don't deliver myself. Help me to deal with me and and then to love those around me and encourage them so that they can better deal with them and we could be a community that produces fruit and joy and comforts, not just to ourselves, but to those around us. Literally the world. Churches are bunkered in. We bunker ourselves in. We're, We're called to be this for the world to see, to experience, to go, that is eternal. And I didn't even know that existed. So let's pray. Just ask God for his help. Lord, we know. We know that we're a part of this. The sense that we're called to be to work along with what you're doing in our lives. To be part of the process being sanctified. Lord, we know we, we can't do any of it without you. Really, all it is is us coming into step with you and allowing you to do that work in our lives and not stopping you from doing it. And so, God, we pray that you would do that in, our, in us um, this morning, that there would be even things this morning that you'd be speaking to us. Because we're not just here just to have fun and hang out, and that's great and everything, but to really to be changed and whether we've been walking with you for a week or for 80 years, there's always something that you're working on, that you're trying to free us in. So, Lord, help us, all of us, to, to come before you and, and to really lay it out. Say, here, Lord, take it. Change me, mold me, shape me. You don't give on us. Help us not to give up either. <laughs> To, and, to, and to put guardrails where we need to put guardrails in our lives. We know that we're vulnerable. Where we know that, and that it, it, there's trouble waiting. That we would block that off big time. And we would have a, even that indignation. In it, and we want nothing to do with that.
because we know that how toxic it is and how much it steals from us and robs us. So God, we pray that you just would have your way in each of us individually and that you'd comfort us and strengthen us as a church. That we'd be, we're not a big group, but we're, it's a cool community, Lord, and you can use it. You don't need a, a lot to do a lot. Just hearts resigned towards you that are, that are fully invested. And so help us to be those people. Each of us, me, help me to be that person. That would be all of our prayers to you this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name.